Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Georgia Liberty Cast. I'm your host, Ryan Graham. I'm the chair of the Libertarian Party of Georgia. And um, today we have um, a couple of guests. Uh, we have two guests like we did last week. Um, first off, we have Chase Oliver. He is chair of LP Atlanta. He's also a member of the Georgia, uh, the Libertarian Party of Georgia Executive Committee, and he is the fundraising director for Outright Libertarians. How you doing, Chase? I'm doing great. Uh, it's uh, it's a lovely day to, to podcast and talk about liberty. Yeah, uh, we also have with us Logan Alexander, who is the or Logan Smith. What is it, Logan? It is Logan Alexander Smith. Uh, Logan Alexander I, Smith. Sorry, I'm just Alexander used to, like, is my middle name. On Facebook. That's all right. <laughs> uh, and he is the chair of uh, the Libertarian Party of Conestoga Valley, which is uh, tucked into the northwest section of Georgia. How you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for the invite. Yeah. So we're um we're going to do things a little weird. I know it's like the second episode back and we're already sort of changing the rules. Um I I you know the typical format I wanted to have was to invite two people on and all three of us bring a a, a topic to to talk about. Um all three people want to talk about the same thing. So I figured we'd nerd out on uh the Falcon and the Winter Soldier and talk about how it matches, you know, libertarianism. <laughs> because <laughs> we're all a bunch of nerds and that's most of what we talk about uh chase is also the founder of multiple cock cock what are they cockeye i say cockeye i started one of the i started one of the first pop culture caucuses here we have the i started the libertarian party star trek caucus and then from that people started a star wars a middle earth uh professional wrestling so now we're having all these pop culture libertarian caucuses coming together to talk about the things we like to talk about and pop culture wise and uh, put it, the libertarian spin on it. So we're going to meme the world. I don't think we have a Marvel one yet. We, we do need a Marvel one. I think an MCU. Logan, maybe. Where are you at? <laughs> <laughs> I might, I might see about dipping my toe into that. I got the, I definitely have, I definitely have put in the requisite years of research to, to run that endeavor. It's the only libertarian caucus that I'm a hundred percent ready and qualified to run. <laughs> Oh, I know. That's I knew. I knew Chase wanted to talk about this, and I was like, you know what? Like, I'm not going to worry about finding someone else. Like, I know Logan. You've been posting stuff on Facebook about about Marvel for I don't know how long, and I saw your your post uh, of your I think it was your your background or something on your or your banner page. I don't know what it's called the profile banner uh, that was like all the iterations of uh, <clears throat> of uh, Captain America, including the, this new one. So, uh, and it was pretty cool looking. <laughs> Oh yeah, that's Alex Ross. Uh, my dad worked in a comic shop. When I was young, he was a professional wrestler. When he retired from that, he started working in our local comic shop, and he worked there until I was 19 years old. All right. So I spent more time sitting in the floor in a comic shop reading back issues than I spent at my house yeah. as a kid. It's where I went every day after school, all weekend. It was a, cool. It was a trip. So um, I, I was thinking we could set the mood um, and sort of set the stage and then because um, I, I think the first couple episodes are not necessarily uh, not necessarily libertarian. They just kind of set the stage for some of the ideas that come out in like the last two or three episodes. Um, but basically, um, you know, Steve Rogers at the end of whatever that movie was, uh, you guys will know better than me, um, <clears throat> quits and hands the shield over to Sam Wilson Um and basically, it's it's a, a passing on of the the mantle, you know. A, basically, telling him to be Captain America. Um, and you know, Falcon and the Winter Soldier starts with Sam 
basically saying no. Uh, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I don't need to do all that. And then he, he gives the shield up, um, <clears throat> and still remains the Falcon. Uh, he's going on special missions and all this other stuff and doing some, you know, cool, you know, the first episode I was like, Oh, great. This is just going to be like an action packed, uh, you know, whatever, like, uh, this is, this is going to be like fun, but not, not very, um, thought provoking. Um, I, boy, was I wrong. But but um, it's it's mostly just him doing like aerial combat and some cool stuff and uh, and you know you see the Winter Soldier doing some some fighting and some cool stuff well he you know so um, yeah uh, so he give he gives up the the shield right and uh, the U.S. government of course says that's not going to work for us and gives the shield to someone else um, <laughs> so um, Logan do you want to comment on that at all I know you have um, some pretty strong feelings about uh, Jack. Uh, Walker, right? Walker. Uh, John Walker. John Walker. Strong feelings. I don't want to call him Jack. <laughs> I. Well, that's interesting because in the comics, at one point, they faked his death, uh, and because his because his name was John Walker, when they gave him a fake name after they faked his death, the they named him Jack Daniels as a <laughs> joke. So he basically went from Johnny Walker to Jack Daniels. Uh, but the uh, I. Saying I have strong feelings about him is it, it's a very loaded thing because the first story arc he's in is incredible. But after that, my strong feelings about him come from the fact that he's the only main continuity MCU hero from Georgia. We're a state that is hugely underrepresented in comics wow. uh, as far as superheroes. And so my whole life, he's just been, he's not even to show how little they care. You know, everything in the MCU is a real place, except with a, a few minor exceptions. And one of them is where John Walker is from. Bust out your map. There is no Custer's Grove, Georgia. Uh, Cu- General Custer, of course, not from anywhere around here. Um, but they they just needed to pull up. What is what is a name that sounds like it might be in Georgia? Custer's Grove. It does. Uh, it does and that like actually it got here. a shout out. Yeah. <laughs> That got a shout out even in this series. They didn't just, they list that he's from Georgia, but they go to Custer's Grove. And I had a little bit of a groan and like, you couldn't have put him in Savannah, Lafayette, you know, something, <laughs> something that's actually here. Well, you know, uh, uh, but yeah. Uh, you, you know, in the, uh, the MCU or well, in the Netflix series, they actually kind of retconned and gave us a Georgia hero as well. They made a uh, Luke Cage originally Luke Cage. from Savannah. So uh, I'm kind of glad that they finally did that. Maybe even though you know he's not really from Georgia, so maybe they're maybe maybe because we're making so many of their movies out there, they might start like oh, having yeah. heroes just coming from here. They're like, oh yeah, the, that guy's from Rome, and this guy's from uh, Lagrange, and that guy's from Cairo, and this guy's from Atlanta. So you know, we we film so many of their movies here, so maybe the, the the Georgia love will start coming our way through Marvel Comics. Oh yeah, I will admit though, even that one was one that I found. That change, I, I mean, I appreciated having another hero from Georgia, but Luke Cage is so embedded in Harlem. The, yeah, so much of the culture him. of that character. Yeah. Well, and they also, the other superhero who's from Harlem is the Falcon, who this series moved to Louisiana. So right. now they've taken all the Harlem superheroes mm-hmm. that are that are literally, both of them are born out of that culture. Uh, Luke Cage, I think, was literally in a gang that was real in Harlem at the time that his comic started. Uh, and now he's from Savannah, Georgia, and he just lives there. It, it's strange. It's a, it's a strange move. Yeah, weird. It would choice. be like if you revealed that Captain America was really Canadian. 
<laughs> yeah, I guess that is similar, huh? And I, um, and I know you were talking about the action earlier, uh, Ryan, like and how, like, yeah, it seems like this is just going to be a fun action romp kind of a thing. And like the first episode really kind of gives you that impression. And uh, the good thing about it is, is as the show gets deeper, like intellectually and gets into those deeper themes of like, you know, the world's getting smaller and, and who's really pulling the strings and, and like, and, and who's really representing America? Like what, what is America representing to the world? Uh, you still get all this really kick-ass action. Sorry. You get all this amazing action. I yeah. Just I think but, I just uh, had I had hangover from WandaVision. You know, I was like, oh my God, yeah. WandaVision was so good. And then I just sort of I, I was I was trying to drop my expectations accordingly and was like, well, this is just gonna be an action romp, you know? <laughs> yeah, it felt very much like a lot of the MCU where it's just like, okay, this is just good popcorn fun. Yeah. Um, which is great sometimes. Like you need those ant mans sometime to escape, you know, from the world a little bit. But uh, this one really pushed you right into the real world, like into real world events, you know, with the uh, with the villains being the, the flag smashers, people who are against nationalism of any kind, uh, kind of a uh, group that doesn't believe in any kind of, uh, you know, borders. And it, it all comes from the fact that in this universe, half the world disappeared for five years. And in that intervening five years, governments like brought refugees in to like fill out the jobs that needed to be done, the work that needed to be done. And then all of a sudden all these people come back and it's like now these people are treated as kind of like worthless refugees. And so there's definite themes of like immigration and uh, human rights and like how we treat people outside of our own borders. Lots of deep themes while having amazing action. So, I mean, there's there's lots for everyone to love <clears throat> of this show. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, let let's get into that because, um, you know, I I touched on it in the last episode because um, it was so important to a scene that happened uh, during that week. But the flag smashers are basically, um, you know, like like Chase explained very well, uh, they're they're basically representing these people that came back after the Thanos snap uh, and have been displaced, and you know, they try to go back to their home, and you know, there's other people living there. Uh, and they try to go back to their jobs. Other people are working them. And it's how the governments of the world uh, kind of have come together and are trying to manage that and are frankly doing a very, very poor job. Um, and they don't seem to care about uh, the people who have come back and been displaced. And they seem to want to just just protect the people who stayed um, when we're all human and we're all just trying to get by. Uh, they're using the force of government to protect all of the people who remained uh, rather than, um, you know, basically leaving it alone and letting everybody just kind of assimilate as they would. <clears throat> um, yeah. Yeah. So basically, Carly Morgenthau is is the main antagonist. And she, um, did I say her last name right? I think I did. Um, she She's the main antagonist. She, and she's kind of got this band of people who um, have gotten access to the super serum. Uh, so they're super soldiers and basically they're a terrorist organization uh, trying to change the policies of the, the government organizations uh, through violence. Um, and, and that's sort of one of the big themes of the show is um, one of the things I touched on last time was Sam, you know, Sam Wilson, while, while he's sitting there fighting her, uh, you know, goes through and, and says, look, I, man, I get this. Uh, I, I get what you're doing. This, this, uh, or I get, I get what you're fighting about. Um, this is a real problem. You're right. Uh, but 
going out and killing innocents is is wrong. You can't do it this way. Um, you know, taking a bunch of hostages, people who aren't aren't uh, related to this, or blowing up a building full of people who aren't related to this, uh, that's not going to work. <laughs> yeah. So, and, uh, and I, I do believe that you know, in my mind, I like when I was writing notes down about this series. Um, I feel like each character kind of represents a different part of, uh, of what's going on in the world. And I feel like Carly and her struggle very much represents like the developing world and the world that is like trying to grow and mature because she's a teenager, right? It's like very much like on the nose to me that she's a young person and her band, the flag smashers are very multicultural from all over the world. And, uh, and they kind of represent like this wish to desire to grow into the world that they've been left with. And, you know, Captain America, whichever one it is, is kind of representing that imperial American, we're the, we're the strong good guys. And so you must be the bad guys kind of thing. And while, yeah, they, and like you said, Sam empathizes with her. It just, it's not her methods that he empathizes with because it's the violence and stuff that he's combating, but he understands the struggle. And I feel like that's like the best kind of America is one that while we don't, fully understand everything. We empathize with those around the world, not necessarily relating it to violence and nonviolence, but like just to the way people from outside the United States view our country, we need to also be kind of more empathic in the way we view everyone else. And I, I don't know, I got a lot of themes in my mind from watching this show that maybe have nothing to do with it. And I'm sure the writers are be like, that is just not at all what we were thinking. <laughs> we all look at it through our own lens, you know, um, what stands out to me was um, the scene, like just just discussing this this aspect of the show was when you know when Sam goes to talk to Carly and talk her down, and he tells uh, John Walker, who's Captain America uh, at the time, to you know just give me like ten minutes, and uh, he cannot give him ten minutes. He is freaking out. I mean, it looks like he's you know withdrawing from heroin or something because um, he he just is so antsy he just wants to go in there and just smash everybody to bits you know he just wants to go fight he he's he's the hammer they're the nail that's all he knows how to do you know and uh you know he he basically rushes in before the 10 minutes is up ruins what whatever sam was trying to do by talking and you know starts the violence right back up and you know what what can we say is a better representation of how america behaves on that on the international stage Right. Like, look at the Middle East <laughs> and look what we've been doing for 20 years. And uh, and with that, I think, you know, it goes right into what I think about John Walker. He represents kind of America's foreign policy as it is today. Um, and it's even represented by a soldier who's clearly suffering from PTSD. Like he is a heroic soldier. <laughs> he is. He has major uh, aggression issues and PTSD issues. And and and, you know, in the show in the MCU, when you take the super soldier serum, it like enhances not just like your abilities, but also like who you are as a person. And so those, uh, that internal struggle that he's going through very much comes out in him, especially after he takes the super soldier serum um, and really, you know, kind of goes all out. I think that's, you know, and, and, and that's the thing, John Walker, and he redeems himself in the end somewhat. Like that's the other thing is he's kind of redeemed himself a little bit. You know, he chose to save hostages instead of choosing violence. So like he's kind of learned his lesson in the show, but uh, he, he's a very complicated and flawed character. He's not a villain, for, you know what I mean? He's, he's very much like a anti-hero 
And I, I like that about him. He's there's depth to him. And also I like the fact that he, his actor, I hate the fact that the actor who plays him is getting so much hate for being such a hateable guy. It's Kurt Russell's son. And like, yeah. I would like him to have a long career in Hollywood. I don't want him to get chased away by all these haters. Um, well, I think, I think like, like America, um, you know, he, he's the way he's complex is he wants to do the right thing. He just sort of doesn't necessarily know, have the skills to do it. He doesn't have the toolbox. Uh, and I think America often is just, you know, like a, the hammer and nail thing I was saying earlier. We just see a problem and we think the solution is is violence. So um, <laughs> anyways, so kind of where we were going uh, there from John Walker being kind of America as it is today. Steve Rogers is the propagandized version of America. It is kind of what uh, America wants the world to think of it as. It's you know, the shining example and it is, and you know, Isaiah Bradley very rightfully points out that it's like, yeah, you got this blonde hair, blue eyed version of America, and that's what you're trying to show off as America. That's not what America really is. Uh, and that takes you into Sam and Isaiah Bradley, which Isaiah Bradley is like the, the, the bad history of America, the history of America they don't want you to see, that when they propagandize Steve Rogers, it's the Isaiah Bradleys that they're trying to hide and the, the mistakes and the problems that they've done and the, and the terrible things they've done that they're hiding behind Steve Rogers. Uh, and, and there's a great series. If you want to see more about the Isaiah Bradley character, uh, there's a great comic series. It's a red, black and blue, I believe is the name of it. And it's kind of the origin story of that Captain America. And it's, it's as, as kind of traumatizing as it is in the show. It's even more so in the comic books where it's like, it's literally like Tuskegee experiments uh, it, it is the direct correlation and you see his comrades like dying horrible deaths because they've given different versions of this serum to try to figure out which one's the one. Um, so it is a, uh, it's a really harrowing story. Well, yeah. and to, to flesh it out a, a little bit more, you know, you, you have Steve, the Steve Rogers story, uh, in the MCU that we all know about where, you know, he was recruited as a little scrawny guy um, and was sold uh, that he could make a difference by by taking this. But um, it's all very voluntary. You know, he, he very much says, I want to do it. Uh, works on the first try, which means, uh, you know, clearly they had finished some of their experimenting already. Um, they were, I think, you know, they weren't 100% sure in the, in the movie uh, whether it would turn him into a super soldier. But uh, it seems like they were pretty confident. Um, and then, and then, you know, juxtapose that with, um, Isaiah who, um, gave a, his, his side of the story, um, which was, you know, we were basically forced to take these serums and we were experimented upon, um, and it was not our choice. Um, and it's basically showing, you know, throughout history in America, uh, the haves and have nots and how we've treated groups of people, um, how terribly uh, throughout our history. Uh, I, I mean, it was it was huge. The last the last episode where you know um, Sam is sitting there talking to Isaiah about you know what it represent what America represents to him um, and having that hard conversation. Um, I mean, I it got me. I was tearing up, man. I, I was it 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 was a gut punch. Steve Rogers, when he became Captain America, it wasn't even just consent. He competed. Like he was competing with other people to do this, yeah, uh, and and one because because of his heart essentially, which is a great story, right? Uh, and, and but he consented to all of that being done, whereas Isaiah Bradley was essentially a guinea pig 
forced by the government. And, uh, and again, those, uh, the Tuskegee syphilis experiments directly correlate to that. Um, and, and it's a, it's kind of a shameful part of our history that in the show they wanted to hide. And to even yeah. still today, we kind of hide that shameful history of our government, you know? Oh yeah. Well, and that actually ties into what I was wanting to respond to chase with earlier, which is I, you said something about, you didn't know if those themes were intentional. And I think that the themes on this show were very intentional. I think that, uh, if anything, I think the biggest failing of this show is that it had a lot that it wanted to do and wanted to play with, but it, it didn't seem like the creators knew the best way to bring everything in. I saw one reviewer talk about that. It was a lot of, uh, a lot of telling and not showing. And I think that that is, I've seen some people online who are mad about the political themes and inclusions. And I think that people would be less mad if they had done more visual storytelling and less just sort of characters expressing their opinions. Because uh, like one of the things I've heard a lot of people talk about with Isaiah is they, they don't like how sort of dismissive he's being of America. When if we had seen as we did in the comic, what he actually went through, those fights, those missions, the imprisonment, I think people would resonate with that better. And the same with, I was going to say about the Flag Smashers earlier, so many people feel like Sam is, is giving her too much rope, is being too, uh, maybe not too empathetic, but too understanding about her plight in a way that MCU characters, even Captain America's, just aren't with other supervillains. And I think that's because Sam can see what's happening to them and we can't. You know, she says that they're suffering and there's a line in the last episode about them being forced out with armed soldiers, but we never see the GRC do that. Uh, we don't even hear that that's something they're doing until the very last episode. Yeah. Uh, um, just to get back to, to Isaiah a little bit, um, you know, you were saying that people, you know, Sam maybe empathizing that he hated, uh, seemed to hate America. Um, you know, I, I, I thought they did a great job explaining what happened to him. And quite frankly, if America had done that to me, I'd hate it too. Oh yeah. Um, it's, a, it's a totally genuine way to feel. Yeah. I, you know, I don't, I don't understand why you, why you wouldn't in that character's position. Um, and there are people in this world who are in that position, um, who were experimented on by the American government in healthcare. I mean, that, that happened. So, um, it makes a lot of sense that a person that that happened to would maybe hate the organization who did it to you. Um, but what, what I thought was important was that, you know, Sam kind of constantly kept Isaiah in his mind, um, as he's making his decisions, as he's, you know, becoming Captain America and kind of brings him along. And, and, and at the very end, what, what was the real gut punch was the, the Isaiah statue, which sort of seemed corny at first, uh, where he's part made part of the Captain America, you know, museum piece that's been seen throughout, um, some of the MCU movies and shows. Um, you know, I thought it was kind of dumb at first. And then I started thinking about it. And basically, you know, Sam said, you know, nothing about this is perfect. Um, I care about the ideals. And what I want to do is make make sure that you're part of the story, that we're not sweeping you under the rug, that we accept, uh, you know, we're not we're not only our virtues, we are also our flaws. Uh, oh, and, yeah. and we want to tell that story. We want to make sure it's told. Uh, and we, we just got to get better about that as a people. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what yeah. I loved. And I, you know, I started thinking that's what really started making me like <laughs> just lose it. <laughs> yeah. I equate it, I, I equate it to putting the, uh, you know, the story of Japanese internment into World War II museums. You know, it's something that it's part of that. It's part of that story. It's maybe a more shameful part of that story that harmed actual people, but it's worth recognizing what happened and the contributions and the things that were done, uh, you know, from people who were maybe swept under the rug. So I really, you know, uh, I feel kind of the same way when I saw the, uh, the Bayard Rustin exhibit at the Center for Human Rights Museum that we have here in Atlanta. Um, you know, because he was a great civil rights icon, but he was also kind of swept out of the movement for being gay. And so, yeah. uh, you know, to see him get that recognition in the civil rights museum, and he even got a write-up from John Lewis when the museum came out, um, I thought was really awesome. Uh, and, you know, it it was a needed part of that museum. So I think it is, uh, you know, it, it, I think it's very truthful. It, it's, it's kind of exactly how the real world might have dealt with the Isaiah Bradley issue if Captain America were a real thing. Like he would be, he would be part of the museum, but of course he would be tucked away in the back. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, you know, we got to go around this corner. To it get did back. look like they went through like a secret passage to get there. Yeah, yeah. It was, I did feel like that was a little like on the nose, but also very truthful to kind of how the government really would. You guys just nobody goes to it because it's way in the back. That's that's and they pulled that right out of the comic, except that they did the they had to do the bronze statue because in the comic, what's in that case is uh, I don't know how much you guys know about truth, red, white and black, but something pretty big that they cut out is when Isaiah goes on his mission in the comic, he actually steals the Captain America uniform and wears it, you know, sort of against the government's will to fight that. Uh, And that's part of why they try to cover him up is that they don't want, is that there are these pictures and videos and stuff out of, from the forties of this black Captain America. So when Captain America shows him that museum display at the end, he's literally giving him back his uniform. Um, And that's one of the things where I wish they had shown us, taken more time to show us what Isaiah went through because then you could have had that uniform in the case at the end instead of the soldier. And I think that would have been, you know, that much more impactful to say, you know, not only was this guy a super soldier, he was for one night, Captain America, you know? uh, Well, you know, and and if, I don't know if the MCU listens, you know, the folks who are in charge of the MCU listens to the LP Georgia Liberty cast, (laughs) but if they are, and for whatever chance they are, (laughs) I really think a great idea them would to be do an anthology series like a marvel anthology series where you do one one hour essential episode and you could do one one hour episode just isaiah bradley in the past you could do one one hour episode about these minor characters who don't really get all the love from the mcu um yeah. and give them just one hour just one hour one hour of howard stark like let's give you know one hour of howard stark one hour of uh you know this this that and the other person and Isaiah Bradley would be great for a show like that, where you just give him one hour of an origin story. You kind of tell his story. It cuts when he goes to jail. And then from then on, it's like, okay, now you know when you meet him in Falcon Winter Soldier, you have that ancillary content to go, oh, that's who that guy is. Yeah, I'm Captain America. 
I'm watching all the movies in chronological order now, and that would just make that insane because it would be like, okay, now watch three episodes of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Now watch the Isaiah Bradley. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, I mean, that would be awesome to me. That actually yeah. reminded me of something else I wanted to mention while my, while I was suffering from hillbilly Wi-Fi. <laughs> uh, the, uh, you talked about John Walker and his sort of embodying American uh, foreign intervention and stuff. Something that they touch on in this show that I... They talk about it for sure, but you you mentioned that he was seeming like a heroin addict. You know, if you listen to what he's saying, what he's suffering from is is having the public eye on him, which I think that we see constantly is something that American leaders don't still to this day don't know how to deal with. There are constantly situations that don't get the attention or the or the policy they deserve or the opposite end of the spectrum where they just go completely overboard and do something insane out of the fear of how the public will react. And I felt like that was a part of this series that was really interesting that didn't get honed in on enough is that so many of John's flaws are him suffering under the mantle of what everyone thinks Captain America should be and making bad decisions under that stress. Well, and they sort of touch on that with the conversation with Lamar, his partner that they have, uh, I think in like the third or fourth episode where, you know, he's saying they all expect me to be this guy. And Lamar says, yeah, but you won, you know, you won two, two uh, honorable, whatever awards. <clears throat> and uh, three congressional medals of honor. Whatever, man. I think of the, <laughs> um, but he, you know, he says, you know, he says, but, but you and I both know what I did to to get that. Like I, I don't feel good about it. I, yeah. <laughs> so, Something I thought was brilliant from the last episode is in the post credit scene for five. You see him welding the medals of honor into his into his homemade uh, macaroni sculpture shield. Yeah, and I when I saw that I was like, oh, that's interesting because he's sort of tying his record in. Uh, and I thought when I saw him doing that, that they were going to be on the outside where everybody else could see it. Like, hey, I got three Congressional Medals of Honor. Look, this is what you're throwing away. But then when you see that last episode, he's put them on the inside so that he can see them. No one else knows they're there but John. And when he's surrounded by the Flag Smashers, he's looking at those. And I thought that was a fascinating character decision. Well, and what, and they don't remind him of the honor. They, you know, he already had talked about how it reminds him of the terrible things that he had to do. So yeah. it's almost a reminder that to him that you have to do terrible things to to win. Yeah, <laughs> which is I terrifying. Say, uh, I, I will say, worst line of the uh, the final episode there, and it was just it's very very hackneyed. And I wish they had been able to say this in a better way when he's you know when when Walker confronts Carly for the first time and she's like, sorry, I didn't mean to kill your friend. I don't like to kill people who don't matter. It's like, no one would ever say that. No one would ever say it that way to somebody. You would, you would say, Hey, I'm sorry. I killed your friend. He got in the way of my mission or whatever, but you would not say, well, you know, I, I don't, I only want to kill people who matter. Also, none of that made sense. She did go there to kill them. Like that was yeah. pretty explicit. And then when she did kill one of them, she like ran away. And I was like, I don't understand this doesn't, yeah. this, none of it made sense. Too much trying well, to humanize Carly there. And yeah, the yeah. show is, it does, it has, the action is great. The effects are great. Some of the best costuming in the MCU, uh, especially, God, Sam looked incredible. 
Yeah, same but, as Captain America, and and it, it's like he just was just an all around BA too. The yeah, the writing <laughs> is so it's so uncharacteristically sloppy for a Marvel, and I don't mean that like the dialogue is good, but if you look at how the plot's put together, just you know from a from an introduction to creative writing sort of climax, rising action, fall, that kind of thing, they keep losing the thread of of what sequence things need to go in and what the best way is to show them. And it, it makes it difficult to criticize because it's not like a CW superhero show where it's like, all right, this is bad, but I came here for candy and <laughs> I knew candy was bad for me. You know, this is like a, this is like a, like a ribeye that was poorly seasoned or overcooked or overcooked. something like that. Oh, you know? bum, bum, bum. <laughs> yeah. I think, uh, I think there were some times when I was like, oh, I, I would have written that a little better or yeah. you know, I wish they had paced this a little bit better. Now, one thing I do really appreciate, um, and this is, I'm going to say this right now, you know, like you said, I'm the fundraising director of Outright Libertarians. We're a GSM libertarian group. Uh, I will say they very much queer coded uh, Sam and Bucky as like kind of a couple. Like they, they're basically doing everything but kissing at this point. Like it's their <laughs> best friends, like... Bucky's, Bucky's the boyfriend you bring to the barbecue. Like, he's fully acting like Uncle Buck. Like, they Chase, very much. Chase, mm-hmm. do you not have a heterosexual life mate? Because I have a heterosexual life mate. Yeah, I, mean, I do. But it's very much like, I, and I feel like in, in, it's intentional. Like, I feel like the creators of the show are like, okay, we're not going to make them gay, but we're going to kind of queer code them just enough, just like they did with uh, uh, Poe Dameron and Finn. It doesn't, have to, it doesn't have to be about that, Chase. It could just I be know. a healthy male relationship. I, I will is. say, I think, I think you're right about Poe Dameron and Finn. I think <clears> they were <throat> oh, yeah. at that on purpose. But in this one, I actually felt like, uh, <laughs> as a straight guy, uh, you know, we don't hear from straight white dudes enough, I don't think. So I'm going to voice my <laughs> opinion on this. Uh, but I, it was kind of refreshing to me to see such a sincere emotional relationship. Yes, and and actually, Bucky and Cap have been that way since the beginning. Between mm. two straight masculine men, I, one of my favorite moments in the whole series is when they're they're playing catch, you know, <laughs> and just a good old toss in the yard with father and son. Uh, and Bucky and Sam are talking about Bucky's therapy, and Sam sort of confronts him, but they're just laying their feelings out, you know, full bore. And it's so rarely in media do you get to see men who are treated as masculine really open up and, and that be okay. And the other characters reciprocate it and not make a joke about his man purse or whatever, you know? Well, I also, I also do love the way that they became friends, that they became yeah. friends out of being friendly enemies, that they were both yeah. Steve's friend and that they were like kind of fighting to be Steve's friend and like, Hey, you're going to let me in the front seat. You're going to move the back seat, whatever. Like they had that whole thing. And and then once Steve comes out of the picture, it's like, oh, well, our best friend is gone for both of us. I guess yeah. now we're best friends, frenemies, whatever. And well, they, they kind of had to shortcut it, though, because six episodes full of all these ideas. And, and this was just yet another one that got smashed into you know, a very short. Uh, but, you know, in the, in the first like two episodes, they're very, it's very clunky, them like kind of clashing. And then they, you know, they have that scene with the therapist that a lot of people loved. But I was like, this is kind of dumb. 
Um, yeah. You know, it just seemed like it was sort of forced. And then and then it got into the, you know, two masculine men able to have a, a healthy relationship with one another, um, which was cool. And also going to therapy is a good thing. And I like the fact that they, in a, uh, that they, they made that a positive aspect of Bucky, yes. that, that he's actually going to therapy and it, and it worked like he's actually getting positive things out of therapy uh, to the point where he even thanked his therapist. That's pretty refreshing to see. And I like that. That Absolutely. And something on Disney Plus where millions of people, including kids, are going to watch it. It's good to have that healthy respect for mental health and like, hey, some people, even superheroes need therapy sometimes. Like that's well, a good thing. Our household is uh, uh, where I had previously only seen bits and pieces of The Sopranos. Um, and now I'm into the second season of it to watch it like front to back. Uh, and, and I, you know, that's one aspect of that, actually. Uh, so I, I thought it was interesting. That's an interesting aspect there, too, is it's sort of like, a um, you know, uh seeing a therapist uh, is not necessarily a bad thing and you can fight it, but like, you know, this is probably a healthy choice. Oh yeah. <laughs> Let me ask you, Chase, cause I actually do think the subject of queer coding is interesting, but not necessarily in respect to Sam and Bucky, but John and Lamar. Yeah. Especially with how, you know, John's got a wife, but there's very few really emotional deep moments between him and his wife. And we know that he is, he, his whole life has sort of lived in this mold of what he's supposed to be, which is very John Wayne. It's very serve in the military, have a little lady at home, you know, fight the bad guys, be the American dream. He doesn't really have any deep moments with his wife though. Whereas he and Lamar have a real connection. Yeah. I almost forgot it was his wife at the end when he comes out as U.S. agent. Yeah. I almost forgot that it was his wife. I was like, who's the lady with him? And I was like, oh, yeah, that's his wife. <laughs> well, and no, you know, in the comics, he doesn't have a wife. And knowing his backstory from the, in the comics, the the death that causes him to uh, to kill somebody as Captain America, which they actually the head chop off was great. But they actually cleaned it up quite a bit from the comics where uh his his parents were killed because he was a race trader by white supremacists, basically stand-ins um, for the Klan. And he, I, if I remember correctly, stacked those dudes up in his family barn, tied up, and burned them all alive. Yeah. Uh, so when he went off the deep end in the comic, he went, you know, he went big or went home. But thinking no, about in both the comic, uh, so when when she was introduced, I assumed she was going to be the stand-in for his parents. Something was going to happen to her, and then he was going to be the bad guy. But then it's Lamar instead, who can you imagine you have any coworkers that would follow you to a new job like that? Just like have your back. I'm I think if it was Captain your... America, maybe. Yeah, if I got the chance to be the new Bucky, maybe, you know, like but I, I get what you're saying, and I get and I do see like they had a really, you know, it is a really close relationship that, you know, while you're thinking about Bucky and Sam, you kind of even they it does kind of even overshadow like there's an, there's another group and that they tried to even recreate the the Steve and Bucky dynamic by having well we got to give him a sidekick cuz Captain America had a sidekick it's well, kind of a, yeah and, and and one thing i did want to say and while we're talking about this show and i before i forget about it shout out to the uh, the Dormelage, the the <laughs> soldiers of wakanda awesome scene that was a fantastic like just little chef's kiss of a scene and uh I, you know, I'd, uh, I'm glad that they got a little bit of Wakanda in this show, and 
you know, very much like seeing a woman just like whoop on, on Captain America, grab that shield and be like, this is my shield now. It's my shield. I'm a strong black woman. I can be Captain America if I want to be and then just throw it down. Like, I don't really need it. It's your toy. Here you go. Um, I, I really appreciated that. Uh, they needed a little bit of feminine power beyond uh, Sharon Carter, who just, I, I hope, I hope next season when she's the big bad, she's more interesting because she didn't really, she, again, they should have made this eight episodes. They smushed too much. Yeah. And they, they should have fleshed her out a little bit more. I do love the introduction of Madripoor, like as being like this kind of country that has no rules and it's very deep into the X-Men lore. So hopefully when they bring the X-Men in to uh, the MCU, they can have that Madripoor connection there as well. But uh, yeah, I just, I really felt like they needed, you know, they needed to have that feminine power moment and they were just like, you know what, let's throw the soldiers from Wakanda up in there and really kick some ass for a minute and just show people that, yeah, it's not all dudes. There's, there's plenty of female superheroes in the world. And, you know, uh, I appreciated that moment. And, and, uh, and also Zemo, I think Zemo was an excellent like use of that character. Um, You got just enough of them where you're like, okay, that's a good taste. And not so much where you got like sick of them. I, Um, I will admit, I loved the Zemo stuff, particularly the performance, and, and the expanding of his philosophy was great. But again, from just like a writing standpoint, they never did a good job of explaining why they needed him. He kind of goes, he comes in to do something that, you know, presumably any intelligence network could have told you where Madripoor is. Uh, and then he goes out and doesn't really get to affect the ending. I would have liked to have seen him more in, involved in the plot if he was going to be in it. Honestly, I, I think he would have made a better overarching antagonist than Carly in that just because they it felt like they didn't know what they wanted to do with Carly. They wanted her to be sympathetic and they wanted her to be this ruthless main villain and it, it pulled her in so many directions. That's I, I really thought they were going <clears> to <throat> do something to finish that story off the flag smashers off and then there be a, a bigger bad um whether or not that was you know john walker or um or the Madripoor stuff uh the info information broker you know i i, I thought they were gonna do a, an overarching story and that the flag smashers were a minor part of that they were like a pawn in some scheme type of thing so i, I was actually pretty sad about that too well and i had a theory you know in the comics there's a female red skull that yeah. is his daughter that is an orphan that doesn't know she's the Red Skull's daughter until she finds out as an adult. And there were so many things in this series that I felt like Zemo even actually literally compares the Flag Smashers to the Nazis for just a second in, in one moment where he's talking about, you know, the, the greatest evils all came from someone who became fanatically devoted to their own ideologies. And so there was that. There's the fact that Carly has been changed to a woman with red hair. Uh, and the Red Skull has a line in the first Captain America movie right right before the end of the movie where he says, I have seen the future, Captain. There are no flags. I was convinced oh. that because of that in the Flag Smashers, they were going to to tie that in and say something really interesting about how because I think everybody on every end of the political spectrum right now is very fanatically devoted to doing the right thing. They disagree vehemently on what that is. But the biggest struggle in this country is that everybody sees themselves as the rebels from Star Wars, right? Nobody thinks they're the Empire. 
Um, and I thought they had an opportunity to say something really interesting with Carly about like, hey, this is how good your motivations can start out. But then if you're willing to to cut corners and kill people, you're going to end up the Red Skull. You're going to end up a Nazi, you know? Sam And Sam does a really good job highlighting it in the scene where he's you know, oh, trying yeah. to empathize with Carly and, and gets her to basically say some pretty terrible things and and she she hears herself say it you know and she's like oh god uh she starts to see that in herself and then and then of course you know she has to fight back against john walker very shortly thereafter and she loses the thread that she was just just grabbing you know yeah (laughs) well i and somebody pointed out that when when her and sam have the final fight they collide for a minute and they both fall down and they and they both drop their weapons which is a shield and a glock and Carly gets up first, and she gets to pick. There's it, it, the great cinematography in the show. Let me say that because I was knocking on the writing, but visually, there's some incredible moments. Uh, but when she when she stands up, she looks on the ground and she sees the shield and the gun, and she gets to pick, and she grabs the gun. Uh, I did not like Sharon getting to be the one that killed Carly because I like. It's Sam's first outing as Captain America, and he loses a fight to every bad guy there. He loses to Batroc. He loses to Carly. That's a that's a theme actually with Sam. And I, I read a whole thing uh, on I can't remember what blog it was. But it was a, it's an African American themed blog about how why does Sam lose every fight he's in? Yeah. he's lost I, every. I, I didn't, I didn't. I just didn't even feel like he lost any of the fights. Uh, he was he was accomplished. It, you know, you define win in a certain way. Then then yeah, maybe he lost him. But um, I mean, all leading up to that fight, um, he he kicks butt. Um, yeah, I mean, he he saves the people out of the helicopter. Yeah. that when he does the spinning thing with the shield and throws the shield through the helicopter. Uh, that yeah. was cool. That he does was so awesome. Much. He does some really. I mean, to me, it just came off as like, man, this guy's been training. Um, because, That's true, because he just but... kind of came out swinging, and then he had no intention of of quote unquote winning that fight. Um, and so, you know, to him, the win would have been you know Carly not dying and standing down, and that's all he was trying to do. Um, so I guess true. he did lose, and that 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 didn't happen. But he wasn't trying to beat the snot out of her or arrest her or anything. You know, he's trying to change her. I understand that, but I do. But I also understand the frustration that some people who are big Sam fans have, where they're like, "Can you can you imagine a scene where Captain America runs away and jumps out a window from unpowered Batroc, like Steve Rogers jumps out a window to get away from Batroc the Leaper?" I can see how if if a black Captain America is a huge moment for you, that hurts. Well, I mean, Sam just throughout the MCU. I mean, let's go through it. Like he got. Beat up by Ant Man in the Ant Man movie. He got him, him and Bucky got beaten up by Spider Man in, yeah. in Civil War. Um, when he's fighting the Flag Smashers in the beginning, he just he kind of gets him and Bucky both kind of get owned a little bit. Like um, it, it, there's just a lot. I, I did read the article. I was like, you know, now that I'm thinking about it. But then again, Hawkeye doesn't usually win every fight either. So well, yeah, no, but- Hawkeye spends three quarters of his time in the movies running away from other people and hiding. So yeah. he's not really, you know, so it, I, I get what they mean, but yeah, I, I'm very, and I will say, like you said earlier, he looks great in that Captain America suit. That is oh, the, yeah. probably one of the top costumes in all of Marvel. Like uh, it looks oh, perfect. Great. And I'm looking forward to seeing 
about a million people cosplaying as him uh, this year at Dragon Con. <laughs> I loved I loved that they didn't make him a super soldier. I kept thinking throughout the series with the vials bouncing around and stuff. I was thinking, oh, any minute now, Sam's going to get some blueberry Kool Aid and be a super soldier. And I and I felt like that was that would have kind of underdone the character in a way. Uh, one of my favorite issues of Sam's comic from the from when he was Captain America in Marvel, which is which is a very divisive comic for a lot of reasons, but. Uh, but one of my favorite issues is he actually fights John Walker. Because um, John, it's a long story, but John basically thinks that Steve Rogers wants him to go get the shield back from Sam. Uh, and they get in a fight, and initially Sam tries to fight him straight up, and he, and he can't. John's just too strong. So what he does is he gets a hold of him, and he drags him into this like subway tunnel with no lights and beats him. In, in the comics, Sam can control birds. <laughs> they haven't really done that in the MCU. All right. But he beats him with I'm his other... I'm glad they cut that. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, he just beats him with his other powers. Uh, beats him with his brain. And I liked that in, in the last episode, they tried to do a really great version of that. Where, no, Sam's not the same kind of Captain America that Steve was. He's his own way of doing it. And it works. And it works well. You know? Mm-hmm. What did you guys? So I think he's he he's just got a lot more depth of character to him as well, um, bringing a lot of his lived experiences to the character, and that coming out uh, in a lot of the scenes that you know it's it's less important to be action packed and more important to talk about the ideas, which is cool. Uh, and, you know, it's, like I said earlier, it was a pleasant surprise. Um, but bringing that all around, his you know final speech to the senator um you know after carly is killed and um basically they're like the vote's gonna go on and he's like now just wait a second let's talk about this there's these people all around the world willing to murder over this um that didn't come from nowhere are you just gonna are you just gonna ignore it and you know the 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 um parallel to that you know is is people that talk about you know terrorists just hate us right they they just they just hate our, our culture they just hate this idea of freedom, uh, which is absurd, right? They're all human beings with complex ideas and lived experiences of their own. And you don't just come out wanting to kill people because you just hate them for no reason. Like you don't just look and say like this whole group here, well, let's bomb them because whatever, like there's, there are reasons. Um, And so uh, I thought they, they, you know, that they did a good job, saying that and saying that we we can't dehumanize these people uh just because we we don't agree with the actions they took uh let's let's really take a look at this yeah when he said like uh you know when he said you know you can save a forest with an email or you can you know you you control the banks and you can do this that and the other but who's who's in the room with you when you're making those decisions yeah i didn't like that but I and, I don't, and, I, and I don't agree. And, and we can say, yeah, those people shouldn't be making those decisions as libertarians, right? But unless there's a libertarian in the room saying we shouldn't be doing this, people will continue to do those things. So it is important for, for people to be represented. Yeah, and I, not, not just represented by people who are going to represent powerful structures, but people who are going to represent people. Oh, yeah. And I, I think that's where there's that disconnect there. It's like, who's going to be in the room making those decisions? Well, there needs to be somebody saying we shouldn't be making these decisions. And, um, that, that was, you know, but, it, but it is true. There are powerful people in the world. There are people who have 
immense power, immense wealth, and then who basically buy and control government through that power. And uh, that's where there's like this not caring, like where you said, yeah, this comes from somewhere. Are we just going to ignore it? Well, all too often in our world, those people who are in power do ignore those signs and those things. And uh, that's, that's where this no longer, that's where it goes from being fiction. You know, that's where the world of fiction becomes the world of reality, right? Like in the world of fiction, Captain America saves the day. He dresses down the Senator and then the, the heads of the whatever world board that are doing whatever these decisions are. And then they just magically change. And like, that's, that's the fictional part of it. And that's, you know, the part that we have to recognize is like people is like the, there is no Captain America in our world. We have to be the Captain America in our world. We have to stand up and we have to demand that there should be people who are empathic and, and understanding what we're all going through in the room when those decisions are being made, because there's no Captain America is going to do it for us. We as individuals have to pick up the shield ourselves. And that's the message that I see. And that's the part that we have to, you know, look to as free individuals and as libertarians. That's how I kind of tie it back is like, it's up to us to be our own Captain America, each and every one of us. And everybody can be their own Captain America. There's no one Captain America. And, uh, and thanks to Sam now being Captain America. Um, fortunately, I'm, I, I think it's great that there's now another diverse hero in the MCU, especially since we just lost one uh, in the black Panther. Uh, you know, now we're going to see kids dresses, you know, we're going to see young black kids dress as Captain America for Halloween. And that's pretty cool, you know, I, and it's I've, their, and it's their Captain America. And that's awesome. And so like, I, I, you know, this show did a great job of showing that we are all in our own way, the, the hero of the story, whether we are the Steve Rogers or the John Walkers or the, or the Sam's of the story, uh, you know, that's, that's, it's all up to us to like be the America we want to be. So I don't know, getting a little sappy there, but that's my little rant. I am, I am really happy to have Sam as Captain America, but I'll put hard money down right now that they don't replace Black Panther with a white guy. Yeah, I don't think they will either. <laughs> uh, I know, I've heard that it's actually going to be uh, the sister, Shiri. She's going to be the, the lady Black Panther because in the comics, I don't, I don't really follow Black Panther that much, but apparently she's the Black Panther in the comics. And I'm all for that. Like, you don't, please don't recast him. Please do not recast Black Panther. That is a bad move. Just move to the new Black Panther, I think. They don't have a big history of doing that. So yeah. well, other, than, other, than, other than War Machine, like Rhodey, they, they changed yeah. him up. That was that was, and that was very early on in the MCU. And that was an upgrade. Upgrade. And uh, <laughs> yeah. speaking of, so speaking of like the MCU of the future, I did want to, I, I did feel remiss that we did. Well, wait, 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 wait. On, Let Logan, I want to take yeah. it back to Sam's speech for just a second. Because sure. uh, you, you made a good point there. And I actually rewatched that speech going into this because Ryan had mentioned he wanted to talk about libertarian themes. And I felt like it was a very libertarian speech through, you know, a mad titan or a teenage girl. We're all, you know, none of us really have any more or less effect than others. It's just different. Everybody at every stage of the spectrum can change things. I felt like that was very libertarian. The part that I that I didn't love as much is at the end where he basically just went print as much money as you need. Uh, that was not very libertarian, <laughs> but yeah. something that I felt like was fascinating. And I, and I don't think we can let it over the plate and I don't know if it was good or bad, but it was fascinating is in the wake of the January 6th storming of the Capitol, Sam Wilson says out loud, 
I'm sure I'm going to butcher this line, but something like they just stormed the most powerful halls in the world for a reason. Why do you think that is? And I was stunned. I know they filmed it before all of that went down, but I was stunned that Disney let that line, even this situation, honestly, get to the screen in the current political climate. But it, and that's, and that's, that was the important thing I was saying, you know, that, that, um, we're not just going to dehumanize these people and put an NPC mask on them. They're just out here doing this because, you know, reasons or, you know, no reasons. Um, they, they, they did have their reasons. These are complex human beings. They don't, you don't just go storm the Capitol for, for nothing. Um, and whether or not you agree with those reasons that, you know, that that's a different story, but you have to recognize the humanity that led to what they did. Oh yeah. I was really conflicted over it because I, I have a lot of, I have a lot of mixed feelings over the whole Capitol thing. I mean, it's essentially an insurrection. I don't agree with why they did it. I, uh, but I also don't necessarily agree with the with the out and out villainization that has followed, uh, acting like everybody there was equally guilty of the same crimes and and right. stuff like that. And this show, so when he when he gave that line in the situation we're in right now, it made me sit back and think. I and even now I don't know if I think that was a good idea to have that line in the show. Um, I do. I like it. I appreciated it. I, I remember hearing that too. I just, yeah, didn't rewatch well, and it. And I'm sure that when they wrote it, they were they were writing it based on the 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 protests around, you know, like 2018, leading up to the elections around Trump and stuff like that. Because uh, this show sat in the cooler for a year. It was supposed to be the first MCU show and dropped like three weeks into the pandemic. There's a lot of theories that there was a pandemic storyline surrounding the flag smashers that was cut from the show and i think if you watch it back you can see where that might have some validity like if you notice that early on the flag smashers are only stealing vaccines not food not clothes not you know not bandages they're st- they're robbing trucks that are only carrying vaccines mm. uh so yeah, i think maybe that's why it was only six episodes and not maybe eight I, I think there's a good chance of that. And I think a lot of also the stuff I'm talking about, about uh, showing and not telling, if they cut, if they had to cut all their show, that could very easily be accountable for that. Yeah. Uh, the rumor I had heard is that uh, Black Panther was actually going to show up on the show. And uh, that was spurred on somebody saying, oh, well, there'll be a callback that you weren't expecting. And it ended up being Carter, Sharon yeah. Carter. And it's like, oh, man, you could have just said, and it's not Black Panther. You should have just said that because it got a lot of people very excited. Yeah. And it would happen to be like, oh. I, I feel like the power Carter. broker Sharon Carter part of this show is the biggest fumbled ball in the whole show. Yeah, I hope it, they fix it for season two. Yeah, well, you and know, also, in the comics, uh, she was mind controlled for a while. And I wonder if they're not going to try to do something like that. Yeah. Maybe maybe Madam Hydra, uh, a.k.a. Julia Louis-Dreyfus, is the one who's <laughs> pulling all the strings, which... I really appreciate her character. I like her she, a lot. She was well the done. Two yeah. and a half minutes we get of her, I really liked. Um, I'm sort of. I, I'm left confused, but I think she's supposed to be a little mysterious. So it's yeah. Fine. Oh yeah. In the comics, she was Madame Hydra. So ah. she, but Hydra doesn't really exist anymore in the MCU. So it's kind of weird as to what she's really doing there. But okay. uh, now Hydra never dies. 
It's yeah. interesting. People keep bringing that up, but for most of her legacy in the comics, she was Nick Fury's love interest in his comic. Well, maybe she, maybe her and Sam Jackson will uh, have a lovely moment together. She's <laughs> the comic book version of her is basically a straight ripoff of Emma Peel from the the Avengers, but not the Marvel Avengers, the, the old show about the spies. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that what they're probably building towards is they're going to have John be a sort of corporate America's Captain America and Sam be a more sort of political activist Captain America. Sam's the public Captain America. John will be the CIA NSA version of Captain America. He is the U.S. agent. I don't know how much government work he's going to be doing, though, because it seems like they really left him on an anti-government ending. I kind of wonder if the government's not going to put I saw this theory online and it's far-fetched, but you know, Norman Osborn was the Iron Patriot for a while in the comics. And I've seen some people speculating that the government might put Zemo in the Iron Patriot armor from Iron Man 3 and do a take on the Dark Avengers. That'd be weird. See, the Uh, thing that I see, and and this is time for speculation time, uh, the thing that I see them building all up towards is eventually a Young Avengers film or TV show because you got... You have all the threads there because you had in WandaVision, you had her two children who may or may not come back would be really cool, but that's Wiccan and speed from the young Avengers. And then Isaiah Bradley's grandson is Patriot from the young Avengers. Who's kind of like a captain America esque hero. Um, And then you have Hawkeye's daughter who's going to be part of the Hawkeye show that they're doing. Um, She'll be, you know, they have the female Hawkeye. So they're building this young Avengers team, which I hope they're making a TV show out of. A YA version of the Avengers would be really cool, um, which is what I kind of see happening here. And you know, it I would notice be, the hmm? only one they haven't sowed the seeds for so far is Hulkling, though. And I oh, hope God. they don't. Guys, all right. Don't. All right. Yeah. We're off base. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, Ryan's like, I don't know what any of this all is. All right. <laughs> But I feel like they're uh, building up towards any stuff. other high, high, like lofty I- ideals, uh, parallels, or anything that you think we Ryan, should talk about before Ryan we wrap just this cut thing me up. Off from talking about my favorite gay superhero, cancel. I know, but uh, <laughs> we, can, no. we can talk about it once I'm done recording. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. no I'm so sorry, I'm sorry. lofty ideals um, that are kind of left hanging on this thread. Uh, where's my notes here? So we don't have to have anything. We could just wrap it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I pretty much have gone through all the stuff that I wanted to talk about in terms of like the big ideas of the show. I'm hoping season two builds on this and doesn't just like drop it. Like I'm hoping it's not a completely different thing flavor. Like I'm it hoping won't be. Captain America throughout the MCU has, has had a lot of these parallels, which is, has been nice. So yeah, I hope season two is called Captain America and the winter soldier. That would be, that'd be nice. Oh yeah. That'd be cool. So Logan, that it for you. Yeah. I'm um, love nerding out. I feel like it was a very, very promising show as far as what it's planning forward. I don't think it stuck the landing on everything that it tried to do for this series, but I'm very excited about where Sam having the shield will go. Uh, sewing Isaiah, uh, Elijah Bradley and Isaiah Bradley specifically in how they have talked about the, the dispersal of power right? How dangerous it is when you put it in the hands of a government, of an organization versus putting it in the hands of a real human being. And I think that's the biggest theme of this show to take away from 
is that Sam is a Captain America who is Captain America for himself and his country. And John was a Captain America who was forced to be Captain America for a Senate, for a Congress, for an organization, Mm -hmm. and forced to be for all of those sort of governmental ideals. And we got to see that one works and one doesn't, which I think is very true to life. Yeah, cool. All right. Well, um, I think that's probably a good natural stopping point. I think you're absolutely right. Um, for those of you who are listening for the first time, um, you can catch us on any of your podcatchers. We are on any of the subscription services that you probably use. Uh, if we're not, let us know. Uh, if you want to contact us, you can email us at podcast at lpgeorgia.com. Um, and if you want to sign up to be a member, lpgeorgia.com slash membership. We got annual and um, monthly memberships there uh, to be a member of the Libertarian Party of Georgia. Uh, and let us know. I'm, and I plan on having this be a platform for any member of the Libertarian Party of Georgia to come on and talk about any kind of topic that we want to talk about. So uh, let us know and um, we'll get we'll get people scheduled and, and start start this thing up. So. Um, thank you, Chase. Thank you, Logan, for, for coming on. Uh, you guys have been great. I knew you would nerd out, uh, with the best of us. I knew you'd out nerd me. So I appreciate that. And, uh, all right. Bye y'all. Take it easy. Bye. Thanks for inviting me. Bye.